0: and we're going to get into this a little bit later, when we get into the structure of Revelation, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the other thing that we need to understand as we go forward is that the Lord does not speculate about the tribulation. Now notice in verse uh, 29 of uh, Matthew chapter 24, let's go over there, and notice it says, what's going to happen? These were the Jews that asked the questions. These were the apostles. What is going to be the sign of thy coming? What can we expect? All of these things. Look at verse 29. And it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. What tribulation are we talking about? Now, there's a pattern of
1: tribulation.
0: We can see after we're denied Jesus Christ. There was a tribulation. There was no Christ as their Savior. The whole tribulation in the book of Revelation is to shut down tribulation. And it says immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not be shall not give off her light. Do we see that in the book of Revelation? Yes we do. And the stars shall fall This time to chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. <clears throat> and notice what it says beginning at verse 11. See, the problem that a lot of people have is they want to add a chronological order to the questions that before, okay? There is no chronological order. In Matthew chapter 24. These are answers to their questions. Look at verse eleven of chapter 19 of the book of Revelation.
1: And I saw in he- I, And he that and right make war. His eyes
0: This is at the end of the tribulation. This is now the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in the reference. We'll get into more of that a little bit later. So the thing is, when people are denying that there is the rapture, the one thing is how do we know that what we believe, or how can we tell that what we believe is right? Let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Now I know i put in a lot of verses in this, and I we want to make it as simple and easy to follow as possible. And in Luke chapter 17 we go back down to verse 26 and again this is Luke's account of the very same questions that were asked of the Lord in Matthew chapter 24. But notice what he says in verse 25. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Now, what do we find right now? There has been, been a great amount of suffering that has occurred. There have been many that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at verse 26. As was in the days of Noah, so shall all in the days of the Son of Man. They shall eat, they drink, they marry, married wives, and they were given in marriage. And as in the days of Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came, I destroyed them all like
1: they would eat, they drank they uh they bought but same
0: now here's the here's the thing that comes in and I want everybody to get this that if you recall, they were inside of the ark, not knowing that, that that they had already sealed their death, had already sealed their, their damnation, if you will. And also think about Lot. The angels, the two angels that were dispersed, did not start the immediate destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah midway through said. The tribulation is meant to judge people that have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, while at the same time, restore the vision back to Israel that they may see Jesus for who he truly is. Now think about this. There are some Jews that have already that Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, many years ago, I don't know how many of y'all remember this. There was a man by the name of Mike Blight. He was up in Cleveland. And everybody was super excited for Brother Mike because he was Jewish. He would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so he gathered in uh, all the uh, knowledge and the people man of God. As I've told you all, I follow up to a man by the name of Schneider. A lot of times I'll read his materials. And... Uh, He's a saved individual. How he had come to see Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So, I want you to know this. Not every Jew at this time sees Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The purpose of the book of Revelation is to turn the attention of the Jewish people to the yet and I will as I keep studying that when the two witnesses are taken up
1: and there's going to be an announcement something is going to be said Same thing that
0: we have in restoration, and they're going to follow us. We have, in point C of this same letter, you know, in two C it says, "Let us hold to the teachings of the fallible man, or not. Let us not hold to the teachings of fallible man, but only to God's word." I am not saying that we can't use others in our study. In fact, I want you to know this: one of the things that I, I have to be very careful of is that many secular writers have gotten some of this right. But I want you to get it from the point of the Baptist. And I'm talking true Baptist. I'm not talking about secular Baptists or those that have the Baptist name or who have rejected Baptist teachings of old. Who have allowed the baptismal uh, membership of a, of a congregation to be destroyed, who have made a mockery of the Lord's table. I mean, all of these things are such simple processes. But true Baptists need to understand one aspect of everything that we've got in. We cannot take the word of the book of Revelation and make it our own. When I see seven churches, yes, I believe those seven churches were seven physical churches, and I really believe that they had a testimony for the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. But at the same time, we
1: cannot say that seven churches. Think about this
0: to enter in. In other words, they had to keep the law. The uh, church of Corinth, they had so many muddles in, in what they did. In fact, if you go back in you look from the book of Romans through the book of Corinthians through the book of Galatians, it's not till you get to the book of Ephesians that you begin to see a little bit of strength. And that's why we have to be careful what we hold on to. So everything that we see, let's go down, if you will, to uh, part number three. This time let's go to A. It says, there are some who think that Paul's responses shouldn't be considered at all, but consider these facts. Immediately after his conversion, he was shown of the Lord many things. Now, I want you to see this. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 9, and I want to show you why we can trust what the Apostle Paul writes. One of the things that I have studied uh, for years and years was the immediate response that people had in in regards to the book of Revelation. Do you know when they first um, agreed upon the canon of the Bible, the, the one book that they questioned more than any was the book of Revelation? And the reason that they questioned the book of Revelation was because it was unlike the Apostle John, but it was very much like the Apostle John. So here, instead of being called John the Beloved, he is now called John the Revelator. And there was a response about what John saw that a lot of people said, we don't like this. And they tried to get rid of the book of Revelation, but in the very end, it stood out. But look at what it says here. Let's go down to verse 9. And there was a certain man, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain man, or a certain disciple of the, of the, at Damascus named Ananias. And to him was the Lord uh, said, excuse me, let me just start all over again. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And it, to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street that is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas
1: for one called Saul.
0: and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath the From what we just read Paul piece documentation on salvation let's take a look at first Corinthians and second Corinthians as we know them they are beautiful letters on allowing us to see the entirety of how a church should operate, how it should come together, how we should observe the Lord's Supper, so on and so forth. Let's go to Galatians. And notice it is, again, it's a defining uh, book that tells us, don't be caught up with the things of this world. Then we go to the Ephesians. You're getting the picture. Every book that you see is there for our business, for our growth, and for our satisfaction but even more so, and I want you to see this. Let's go to the book of Galatians and notice how the Apostle Paul is able to convince the Galatians the truth of what he is teaching. Galatians chapter 1, and let's go down to verse 15. Galatians 1.15 But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, to reveal His Son to me that I might him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood in other words I did not go to men for my studies neither when I went to them which were before me but I went into then after three years how many of us have ever asked that question what did Paul do in that space of three years in the wilderness of Arabia? He wasn't with the apostles. He wasn't with Barnabas. He was literally by himself, and the response is he was being instructed by the Lord. Notice, then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and above with him 15 days. Well, now watch. Let's go, if you will, to 2 Corinthians and this ties it all together. Second Corinthians chapter 12. And let's go to verse 1. How is it that we can take the information from what Paul wrote and have confidence that it's true? Notice what it says beginning in verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ. This was 14 years after the three years that he was by himself. Look what else it says. Whether in body I cannot tell or whether I cannot tell know it. Such
1: a one, And I need such a man, whether in body. For
0: though I will of me to be, or that heareth of me and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Notice what he said. For the
1: abundance of what I do, I can declare...
0: Let me just point this out to you. And, And I've always been amazed at this. How many of us know that one dream can drive you crazy? How many of us have ever thought of that? One dream can drive us crazy. Daniel... very end, in Daniel chapter 12, we are we are told or Daniel is told shut up the you are not even tell the world what you see so his entire life he struggled over the, the teachings that were there it, it's amazing to me so that's where we're at at this point and finally, we're going to be on this chart Let me take this out. I see now i get a red light, but we'll be okay for right now. Let's go to uh, Revelation, and let's go to Chapter 1. And we're going to look at the seven churches. If you will, let's go ahead and look at the, uh, the next slide, if you will. There you go. I've given this to you all, uh, if you have received the notes today, You'll notice that I gave you all a a little bit of a a PowerPoint. This is actually the the PowerPoint we're looking at today. And if you got the notes in the back, you will take a look at this as well. So in Revelation chapter 1, we're going to read together uh, what it says here in verse 11. Notice it says, Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou see is right in the book, it under the seven churches which are in Asia, under Ephesus, and under Smyrna, under Pergamum, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now, I don't know how many of you all have seen this map before, but this is the tip of Asia Minor. And if you'll see, right in the center, as a matter of fact, I'll go over here so you can see it clearly. Everybody see this little dot right here called Pergama? Or Patmos, excuse me, where it says Patmos? That's where Paul was excluded to. It's just a little tiny rock. Uh, there's nothing there. In fact, the, the Romans put him on this island thinking that he would die there that there would be nothing there for John. Matter of fact, there there are many beliefs. If you read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and others, they believe that John was boiled in oil. He survived being boiled in oil, never touched him whatsoever. And then he was exiled to Patmos, and they said, let's see you survive this. When they finally returned, after many, 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 many years, if you will, or whatever period of time it was, they found that he was alive and well and doing even better. And so... When you talk about these seven churches, we begin with Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, and we got this clockwise movement. There were other churches. If I took Asia Minor and I went further with it, Asia Minor extends over here. Over in this area, you have, you have the port of Antioch that they went into, a different Antioch. You also have Iconum, Lystra, Derby, other places that are over in here. But the Lord saw fit for these seven churches to be directing, to have the direction of our attention. Now, when the Lord said, I want you to write these things down. What you're going to see, I want you to write in a book and mail a copy to each one of these churches. He didn't say, now to Ephesus, I just want you to write their letter. No. He added Ephesus, and then he said, now here's Smyrna. Now here's Pergamum, here's Thyatira, and so on and so forth. And each one of those places that we see uh, that are written there are for our benefit to see what's going on. Now, there are several things that I want us to look at, and I even uh, began to think a little bit about uh, how I want to go with this uh, study. We're going to be spending the next uh, bit of time, we're going to be understanding what each one of these churches were all about. But as we study these churches, we want to make dead-level sure that were comfortable with each aspect of why that church was particularly selected for what the Lord expected. Now, in mind, I want you to get this as well. There's a clockwise rotation beginning at Ephesus. There is a sermon that I preached many years ago called The Shadow of the Cross. Do you realize that when the shadow of the cross occurred, it went to the west from the cross? And so as the shadow went towards the cross, then what you begin to see is that's where the power of the message began to go forward. If you notice, the churches that were first mentioned are to the west of the center, like a clock. I'll get this here in a minute. So you start at Ephesus, then you go to Smyrna, then you go to Pergamon, and then you go to Thyatira, then you go to Sardis, then you go to Philadelphia, and you return at Laodicea. That clock action is the one thing that I want us all to pay attention to because that's going to make the biggest application for what we want to do. I believe the Lord selected and placed these churches in place for us to see. What's interesting is another church that's just over to the west is the Thessalonian church. A little bit further is the Corinthian church. A little bit further north you have uh, what you would call um, the Marathon or the, I ma- uh, can't think of the name of the church, but there's another church that was just to the north. But it is interesting that when the Lord says that he was in the center of these churches, it would make sense that he could point out each one of them carefully. All right, it's a quarter till. We're going to go ahead and i made my introduction. Lord's willing, we're going to pick up here next week. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, again, I want to thank you for the goodness that you've allowed us to have. Now lead us and bless and keep us this day, Lord. And watch over us as we now go into the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen.